This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We are so excited to have this week's sponsor back. This week's episode is brought to you by Happy Hippie Plant Shop. Now, when Fiona hit us up saying that she wanted an, another ad space with Sisters Who Kill, we were so excited. Last time, we had some CBD pre-rolls, some CBD gummies, some tarot cards that were absolutely amazing. And you all, top of the line, quality you could tell all the vibes were in it, okay? I wouldn't lie to you guys. You know this. Now, they have found a way to combine their love of tropical plants and their love of cannabis to create a company. Not only do they have tropical plants, 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 accessories, they also have your cannabis products. That CBD, the Delta 8, the Delta 9, that's federally compliant because you know we about our P's and Q's. Make sure that you're 21 or older to be up in here trying to buy this stuff. They've got books, they've got merch, and sometimes you'll find some stuff on sale. And not only that, they are committed to social justice, just like over here at Sisters Who Kill. They have donated and will continue to be donating 2.5% of their profits to Centerstone Mental Health as well as the Drug Policy Alliance to end the war on drugs. Because y'all know, instead of a war on poverty, they did a war on drugs so the police could bother me. So make sure that y'all use the discount code SWK15 to get 15% off your order and support Happy Hippie Plant Shop. Now, enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Good morning, Mr. Bed. And good morning to you, Mrs. Bars. Can this little sparrow lay down his weary head? Not here to stay, only for a day. That is when the man named Jesus promises to make a way. Mr. Bed, if you can, do tell. Is this the place they call hell? All right, so this week's players are Lester, Jack Arrington, 
husband and victim number one, Lloyd Dean, Marie Dean Arrington's son, Francina Dean, Marie Dean Arrington's daughter, Vivian June Rither, Secretary of the Lake County Public Defender, victim number two, and Marie Dean Arrington, our murderess. Marie Dean Arrington was born August 8, 1933 in Marion County, Florida. She was known by the other students and people around that time as someone who would run around, really didn't have anybody telling her what to do, no parental supervision. There were like she was a bad seed, you know, she was drinking at a really young age. She dropped out of school at sixth grade, but she actually ended up returning from high school. Um, now jumping to her being 22 years old, she was arrested for forgery and not just any forgery charge. She was arrested for forging her sister's signature, trying to get money out of her account, trying to steal money out of her account. And her sister was kind of like, yeah, all she got to do is see your signature one time and she's going to be able to memorize it. Like she was impressed. Right. She's going to be able to replicate that shit. Like, When Marie was 23 years old, she had a job as a motel maid. She was making 75 cents an hour. She was cleaning rooms, you know, after the guests leave, you know, did the laundry, all that type of shit, right? Mm -hmm. And so basically, she was like, this shit is for the birds. She was like, am I living to work or am I working to live? Right. She said, I'm... Same. (laughs) Honestly, same. She said... I know that there's a better way to make money. <laughs> and so she started she started scamming, basically, right? Yeah. I feel like that's how every scammer's um, they career need, they starts. They need that fast money. They need that money. They, can't they take need it. it fast. They need to keep going. She was like, instead of working at this place for 75 cents an hour, I should just rob the whole thing, right? Boom. Sounds good to me. So she comes up with this plan to stage a robbery, right? So she steals the money, and then she ties herself up in a chair. Very, like, Lululemon murder of her, like, how the girl killed the other girl. And she was like, oh, I was on the floor, too. I survived. (laughs) And she was the one that killed her, like. So she calls the cops to come. The cops arrive, and she's like, we've been robbed. Whoever did it came, and they wrapped me up, and they got off with all the money. And they said, ma'am, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm okay. And then they start to look, and they'd be like, ma'am, if you were tied up, what are all these cigarette butts doing around you? It was like, girl, you've been smoking. Why you don't have to come? <laughs> Put your hands tied behind your back. She was like, all right. It was me. I robbed the place, Okay. <laughs> So I'm assuming she didn't do any real time for this because it's not mentioned anywhere. Maybe she got, like, probation or a slap on the wrist. I don't know. But that didn't slow her down one bit. So that same year, she was charged with assault. And then when she was 28, she was charged with writing bad checks. How many bad checks? Because, like, what if I just have insufficient funds? Am I going to go to jail? How many bad checks do you have to write to go to prison, to jail? To be arrested. I think it's like, maybe it's like they flag you, right? Like, you know how if you go to a store and you return shit too many times, they'd be like, you're no longer allowed to return shit here mm-hmm. because you're scamming us, obviously, right? So if 
she like keeps repeating the same place or goes back around the same place and maybe they've flagged her account been like okay this isn't the first time your check has not come through for us hmm interesting or maybe bad checks are like she writing checks to herself like for a hundred thousand dollars you know no i don't know i don't be scamming you you know what what your face be doing oh yeah i know what what your face be doing he would be like, you got a Wells Fargo bank account, get at me. <laughs> you work at T-Mobile, get at me. You do something. Scam us. Then, he, you know, she just kept on going. At 31, she was charged with larceny and vehicle theft. So, she really just didn't give a fuck. She was like, what I wasn't doing was going back to making 75 cents an hour. I mean... I feel you, girl. I mean, She's not this way, but... She said, I knew what legal and illegal was, and I knew the risks of what I was doing. And I knew that jail was a possibility. I'm not necessarily afraid to go to jail. You know, if they catch me, they catch me. But um, right. I'm not doing this shit. So I guess it, once you come to peace with that, I guess then you're good. Shit, if you don't mind doing time, hey... You live that life on a faster, then it's gonna catch up to you eventually. And you, you and willing you, to bite that bullet? If you were willing to understand those risks, that's fine by you. You know, it's when you get to the other side of breakdown, and you'd be like, "Why am I here? Like, oh, you're, you're here because you did the things that you did, mm-hmm. and you got caught." I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I don't know how many children she has. I don't. I do not know how many children Marion Dean Arrington has. Some sources say two. Some sources say five. Taz and I are split right now, so let's just get the show done. But two <laughs> of those possibly five children's names are Lloyd, Dean, and Francina. And she had her children, and she actually ended up getting married to her husband, Jack Arrington. Now, Jack Arrington was a police officer that turned nightclub bouncer security in Miami. So they were in Miami and it's July 4th, 1964. Jack and Marie are sitting in their car and they start, you know, arguing and they start really going at it. And the altercation became really physical. And it came to the point where there was a witness and this guy named Nathaniel Powers walks by, sees Jack choking Marie and he tries to intervene. And next thing you know, gunshots are nice Samaritan. Nathaniel, he's hit, not fatal, he's fine. Jack is gone. So she doesn't put up a fight. The very next day she confesses. She says, I didn't mean to do it. I did it, but I didn't mean to do it. She gets an attorney. Attorney is like, oh, self-defense. She's like, oh, (laughs) self-defense. That's what it is. And Nathaniel does speak in court, and he tells the whole story about choking out or everything I just told you guys. So since they couldn't find the weapon... I guess the self-defense claim really kind of dwindled. Because if I say I did it in self-defense, I should be able to provide the weapon, right? Weapon was never found. Now, between you, me, and the Wapos, fast forward to 2012. (laughs) And she does an interview, and she says that she buried the weapon with him. With her husband. She went ahead and stuffed that in the casket. So since they couldn't find the murder weapon, she was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 20 years in prison. All right, so now she's in jail, and she's here that her son, Lloyd, has got himself in a bit of trouble. So 
Lloyd and a friend, um, they're fucking around one day and they decide to rob a gas station, right? Now, Marie was like your typical black mama, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You know, she didn't want her kids um, following behind her footsteps, but uh, sometimes it just be like that, you know, kids be watching their parents. Yep. You think they're too young, they are watching everything you are fucking doing. They do. Her kids found themselves in a bit of trouble. She was in jail, and she found out that her son, Lloyd, you know, him and his friend, were fucking around, and they decided to hit up a gas station and rob it. It wasn't some long, drawn-out robbery. Uh, No one was hurt, and they only got off with $60, right? So Lloyd's arrested, and he's assigned public offender Bob Pierce. Bob Pierce is, like, one of the first paid public defenders in the state of Florida. Yeah, because it's starting to become a thing. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, listen, we're just going to plead you guilty and, you know, they'll make some shit shake for you. They made nothing. I don't even understand the point of pleading guilty because this nigga got life. He got life. At 18 years old. Her son is 18 years old. Done robbed a gas station for $60. No one was hurt. And is sentenced to life in prison. Now, here's the kicker, right? Mm. His friend, who he robbed the place with, Got charged with the exact same things. He did not take the plea. He pled not guilty. He pled not guilty and just ended up with probation. It's because he took that plea and he took it first. Yeah. Marie was not happy about this. She was like, y'all might want to put me in here on some bullshit with my kids. You're not about to throw his whole life away at 18. That's, yeah. I mean. Over a little gas station robbery. Because you got to understand, like, if you do it and it's not a big deal to you, (laughs) like, You'd be like, sure, it's against the law, but right, it's not that big of a deal. Different people have different limits. Mm-hmm. And to make matters worse, she already did not like this attorney, Mr. Bob Pierce, because a year earlier, he represented her daughter in a fraud case, and she ended up having to do jail time. And Maria was like, now, hold on a second. If I, I don't know anything, if I know... <laughs> Ain't no way she should have went to jail for that. There should have been something you should have been able to make shake. (laughs) Boy, she was like, come on now. Do I need to do your job? We done been through this. So she she was not happy with this man Mm -hmm. at all. And you know who else she wasn't happy with? The judge, Judge Hall, is actually the judge who sentenced both of her kids. Mm -hmm. And she was like, y'all two got me fucked up. Yep. So, Marie is in jail working on an appeal for her manslaughter charge because of Jack, you know. And she's actually out of jail on an appeal bond. And that basically is a bond that you pay when you are waiting for an appeal and you get to be out on the streets. I didn't know you could do that after you've already been sentenced. It says why the appeal is being decided. I guess I think that that is probably obsolete. That's got to be obsolete. There's no way. I'll Google it later. Y'all Google it and tell us. Anyways, so on April 22nd, 1968, she strolls on into Attorney Bob Pierce's office. Now, she ain't just come for, you know, poops and laughs, you know. Mm-hmm. She came. Shits and giggles. <laughs> <laughs> I was in grad school with a Canadian, and he would always say poops and laughs. and that's... Eh? <laughs> um, she came armed, and she was ready to... 
help Bob meet his maker. You know what I'm saying? So, unfortunately, Bob was not in the office at the moment, and the only person that was there was his secretary, um, Vivian June Ritter. Vivian was a mom of three, and she was not prepared for her encounter with me and Marie that day. Now, Vivian was kidnapped from the office, and she went missing for days. And then, after three days, her body was found somewhere in the nearby woods near State Road 44. Now, as soon as she went missing, the police went to Marie and was like, Hey, where were you? Where you been? What's up? She was like, I've been fishing. I've been out. I've been doing this. What's up? Yeah, me and my cousin, we went fishing. Me and my cousin, yeah. we. And the cousin's like, yeah, we went fishing. We did whatever. Now, when they find Vivian, she was shot three times in the back of the head, and she was ran over multiple times by her own car. So then they're like, okay, we somebody said that they saw a black woman with her. Yes. Yes, I was at the office. Yes. Yes, I was with Vivian. But I was with her because we got kidnapped together. And they're like, Together? It was like, we, I was blindfolded, we went to a, ro- a road, and then they drove me back in town and they told me to not say anything or they would come back and kill my whole family, so I didn't say anything. It was two black men and one heavyset black woman. And the police are like, um, okay. They also find her fingerprints on the back of the car and they go ahead and arrest her for first degree murder. They go and they look through where she's staying and... They see that she wrote a lot of, like, notes. And these notes are addressed to Attorney Bob Pierce, Judge Troy Hall, you know, the two people she's mad at right now. They're like, oh, you need to release these boys from prison. Not just one boy, but, like, three boys. Mm-hmm. And then some had the name, I, I think, don't quote me, some, but a lot of, like, notes. And then one was like, here's the watch, Vivian's watch. And if you don't start releasing them, you're going to start receiving the arm that this watch was connected to. But these were never delivered. Maybe she, this was a part of her plan that didn't actually get executed. Yeah. In, in addition, so that was the note that she sent to Bob Pierce, right? Because I was his secretary. But the what she sends to the judge is first he gets a, uh, he says he got a black voodoo doll delivered to him with a pen through the heart. <laughs> And he said he just knows that that was her. And there was also a letter in there saying that she has a gun to his wife's head. And if he doesn't agree to release whatever, whatever, then she's going to put a bullet through it. So Some very hard threats. Yeah. Like very specific, hard to this specific person, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not a lot of arguments that you can make around here. So now she's got a pending appeal, and Marie finds herself on trial again. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere where you're listening right now you can have your podcast there i promise for real and it's free and you can make some money off of your podcast for free free money free money is out there just go get it by starting your podcast today streaming october 6th on paramount plus first place i learned about death was a pet cemetery 
dead things buried in that land. But come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery Bloodline Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount Plus. So on December 2nd, 1968, um, her trial begins. She is in front of a all-white jury, of course. Ten men and two women. Uh, this trial had, now I don't know what a regular amount of witnesses, but I feel like this is excessive. Her trial had 70 witnesses. That's a lot. That's a lot. I feel like the only people that you needed were... You're about to say them, but you didn't need that. I just feel like... How many witnesses do you need? So it's just like everybody out to get me. Like nobody could keep their mouth shut about it. Everybody's willing to talk. Some of those people she probably doesn't even know. Doesn't even know. Be like, yeah, my my card was charged. Did they have cards back then? No, I don't know. My check was forged with yada, 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 and they traced it back to 70. Amongst these witnesses, there was a taxi driver who said that the morning of the kidnapping that he dropped her off about a block away from Bob Pierce's office. And also, the land, her landlady was a witness saying that she let Marie borrow her gun, her twenty two caliber gun, which was the murder weapon. And she never got it back. And she never got it back. Mm. I'd be very upset if I let somebody borrow a gun and I don't get it back. Is that a, is that another like risk you take? Because I don't see myself letting somebody borrow my gun, though. Like, you know how much shit you could get me into? No, thank you. I don't have time for you and your problems. And Marie said that one of the people that kidnapped them was a heavy set black woman, but she like took them on like the road path, alley, whatever that they were that she took Vivian on. And she was like, this is where the kidnappers took us. And they found Vivian's, like, stalking. And then, oh, and then her fingerprints were found on the trunk of the car. Did that one witness, but there were other witnesses that described her to a T. So did that one witness just think that they, one or those few witnesses think they saw a heavyset black woman? You know, 70 witnesses? Come on now. They say they're unreliable eyewitnesses. Um, And I'm sure they weren't all, like, eyewitnesses. I'm sure, you know... Witness meaning just people who have to testify on the stand, right? Right. Like calling your next witness. So it could be like the medical examiner, um, character witnesses. Sure. All types of shit. Okay, so the jury did not, they didn't have a lot to think about. They went for deliberation at 12. They came back at 325. The trial came to a close and they decided on December 6, 1968, that Marie Dean Arrington was guilty of first-degree murder and would be put to death by electric chair. She was placed in a in a Florida correctional institution in Lowell, the same prison that her daughter was in. She was just kind of sitting there waiting for the governor to sign this piece of paper that would, you know, that's mark the be, end of her life. That's got to be agonizing. Like, And she said that, too. She was like, you know how stir-crazy you get every day waiting for somebody to sign off and be like, okay, your last day is coming? Mm-hmm. Just off of a signature? Whenever he feel like picking up a pen, that's crazy. She was the only permanent woman in the state prison system at the time. They were trying to put her under close watch, and they didn't necessarily have the housing, I guess, for permanent women. 
Well, yeah, it was still a minimum security prison. They put her into an office, and they turned this office into a cell. So in this office, she had a toilet, a tub, a shower, a bed. And her one luxury item was a black and white TV. Um, she liked to watch Jeopardy. Who doesn't? <laughs> um, to secure the office, they added bars and a thick lock and a, and a thick door, a steel door, to make sure, you know, it was actually a cell and that she could be locked and shut in, right? So, so she was kept in her room for 15 hours a day. She had like one hour of recess a day, one hour of outside time. And then she, she basically had to sit in her room or like, I guess, I don't know what else she do. Write poetry, like our opening. Yeah. That was an original by... Also doing jigsaw puzzles. But, like, even when she was out, like, she was either in her cell or she was in the hallway. Like, she she didn't get to go anywhere. And she didn't get to be around people. And she wasn't even near other... other. She was down in the hall from the psych ward. So she was like, that's, that's just all I saw. That was all the interaction that I got, right? She's getting tired of being lonely. She was like, this shit is making me go crazy. Crazy, she was like... Y'all have got to give me something to do to pass this time. Like, I've been in here going, bad shit fucking crazy. I have to do something. So they give her a job to be a maid. And since she's right on that same hall as the, the psych ward, she cleans the instruments for them to do their operations. And it was funny. At first, the people who worked there, they were like, y'all are going to let her touch sharp objects? <laughs> Like, this is a convicted murderer. And they was like, they were very, the nurses there were nervous about it. But they was like, she was a good worker. She kept her head down. She did her work. And she just, she didn't cause no trouble, you know? She just needs something to do. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't enough for Marie. She needed that sweet breath of freedom again. Uh, they hardly paid attention to her, even though she was, because of the fact that she was inside of that cell. So they didn't pay to, they have, they didn't pay attention so much that they didn't notice that she had, like, something up on the window, like a curtain or something up on the window, and this window faced outside. And each day she was just kind of peeling away, cutting away at she this was window. Burning with the, uh, she was burning it with her matches. That's right, burning it with the matches. It, it was, so each day making a hole. Suddenly, on March 1st, 1969, Marie escaped. She was nowhere to be found, and everyone thought that she slipped through the window. Now, fast forward to that to that 2012 interview, she says that she kind of laughed. It was like, they all wonder how I got out of there. <laughs> I went through the front door. <laughs> she said somebody somebody left the cell door open for her. And she said she just walked out and nobody noticed her. Have you seen on HBO, there's a show called Black Lady Sketch Show. I watched that. Okay. Have you seen a sketch where she's like, she's a secret agent because nobody notices her? Uh-huh. That's what this is giving me. Like, I can just walk out the first door, front door and nobody notices me because I'm just a regular looking black person. Why would anybody pay attention to me, you know? After fleeing from prison, Marie D. Arrington left for New Orleans. State and federal police could not find her anywhere. And then two months after her escape, they was like, fuck it. Put her on FBI's most wanted list. Y'all, they put a bond on her head. They said $5,000, dead or alive. $5,000 ain't a lot. It's money. not a lot at all. So this made her the second woman on FBI's most wanted list. The first was some white woman. Now remember, Asada was the first woman on FBI's most wanted terrorist list. 
It's a different list. Anywho, while she was in New Orleans, she worked as a waitress under the name Lola Nero, and she enjoyed seeing her face and reading her name in the newspaper. Like, she was like, I'm getting away with this shit. Yeah. Like, One anytime I hear her talk about it, they're like, and she chuckled, and she laughed, but she was really proud of herself. She was like, this is... It's actually funny because people are calling into the tip hotline talking about, I just saw her in California. She was like, did you now? So she made it about three years out there, almost to the day. And then she was found working at the diner. The cops were tipped off because they was like, okay, she's got to connect back with somebody eventually. So they were like, oh, she's she, she likes to confide in this pastor. We're going to tap the pastor's phone. So they tap Pastor's phone, and she ends up calling Pastor to talk about her kids and stuff. And they're like, boop, she's in New Orleans. They go to this diner. They're like, is that her? I think it's her. They was like, yeah, that's her. They arrested her, and she didn't put up a fight. She was like, you know what, at this point, running is a lot of work. I'm tired. I miss my kids. Take me home. Let's go. So they took her back to finish her sentence, and then they added 10 more years to for the escape to her already death sentence. Right. Just so like, you thanks. know. Five months after her return, a case called Fruman versus Georgia had made its way all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional. And so then this meant that her death sentence was then commuted to a, a sentence of life in prison. She was still kept into she was still kept in this little office of a jail. She was under constant watch. She had guards stationed outside of her room. Mm-hmm. Like she was on lockdown for real. And she was like, "Please, please let me join the regular people. Please let me go be around some regular people. Please let me let have me. a job. Give me something to do." Like I just need some human interaction. She just kept getting denied and denied, right? She even goes as far as to file a lawsuit saying this is cruel and unusual punishment. She was like... I would, though. I mean, like, being in solitary that long and, like, I'm asking for something to do and I... Assuming that she hasn't done anything to be a menace. Except for escape. Whose fault is that? So, I think... She wanted to just go to general population, but it was like, I don't know why they were, they were probably keeping her under that max security anyways, because the lady was like, you know, part of the public defender blue family or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So it's probably looking out for her and they just feel extra dumb in the face for letting her walk out through the front door. And so it's like, see if you ever pull another one on me. Now You won't. You won't, you know. You won't fool me once. So... She's getting all lonely. She ain't doing nothing but sitting around and eating candy bars and shit. So so one day in September 1978, they go to look for Marie, and she's not in her cell. And they're like, oh, fuck, no, the hell she did not again, right? I know we ain't lose this bitch again. I, I know, know we didn't. I told y'all to secure that goddamn window. The superintendent said, shut the jail down now. I don't want her going anywhere. Where did she go? So they're searching, they're searching. Um, they start checking all the hospital rooms down the hall to see if she hid in one of those. All of them are cleared. They go, and they're like, you know what? You. They got the skinniest guard there. You're like, you're going to get up in these ceilings, and you see what you see. They find Marie up in the ceilings, and um, the hospital had a drop ceiling, and they found her up there in it on, like, a concrete shelf, right? Mm-hmm. They said she must have had 30 cans of baby food and candy bars, and an extra change of clothes. And it was just like, I'm just trying to figure out where the hell she got 30 cans of baby food. 
But also, why is she storing 30 cans of baby food? It must be because that's the only nutrition she can get, if you ask me. That's what it sounds like. That's what you think? I don't know why she had 30 cans of baby she food. Said, she said she couldn't stand this uh, injustice. What does that got to do with the baby food? The, the injustice could also in, include the food. That would be unjust to me. Yeah. As well as all the other. So they said they, when they found her up there, she was up there crying, right? So they're like, come down. She comes down and she's talking to the superintendent. She's like, I just don't understand why I can't be around people. This shit is depressing. I can't take it. It's not fair. He was like, we just sat there and talked. We might have talked for two hours. Next thing I know, there's a man coming out the ceiling. She done had some little white boy electrician up in the ceiling and they was up there having sex because she talking about she just need a little companionship. Some other inmate, they was like, get the hell out the ceiling and go back to yourself. Um, if I went to prison single, I'd probably have to find me a little something, something. Let's be honest. It's lonely out here. If you went to prison not single, you probably have to find you a little something. <laughs> chill on me. Chill, chill, chill. Uh, You're like, listen, we're here now. What happens in prison stays in prison? Absolutely. I feel that way. So in 1982, she signs another petition. My civil rights are being violated. This is cruel and unusual punishment. She's denied. In October 1984, she does a petition to join Gen Pop. She's denied again. And she was like, I've been confined like this since 72. She said, boy, are they afraid of me? Like... (laughs) And she's like, look, I ain't even, I'm just trying to have a normal conversation. Listen, I just want to interact with the people. In this article, in this article, she's like, they, they asked her, you know, so what happened? Why did you, why did you leave in 69? Why did you escape the prison? And she's like, if you're in a situation and you know that your life, or at least you feel like your life is going to be taken, you're going to do every damn thing you can to get out of it. And she's saying, you know, I was on trial for a white public defender's secretary, a white woman. And they getting away from that. You know what I mean? And they obviously didn't care because she gets out and it's only $5,000, dead or alive. You know what I mean? Right. So they don't, this is not a life they planned on sparing. So I can imagine that she did feel threatened, especially in that time. She was like, the punishment that they're doing is just unjust. And she was like, y'all are holding this prison escape against me, but that escape was made out of desperation. It was like, y'all taking it out of context. Y'all like, oh, she just left and, you know, she thinks she can do the fuck ever. I left. I was scared. I was terrified, you know, and y'all are holding it against me. And then they asked her if she killed Vivian. And she said yes and no. Because, see, up to this point, she had maintained her innocence, right? Mm -hmm. She kept saying it was never me. And so when they said, did you kill her? She said yes and no. I didn't do it, but I'm guilty as the ones that did it because I knew about it. Which is, it kind of brings back to that, was there another, was there that heavyset woman in the car and those two other men? Was there somebody else? Because she also was in the drug game. Mm-hmm. Moving, moving. She would, like, dress up like a maid or whatever and move stuff from, like, South Florida to Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, a whole bunch of drugs. It would, it would not be far-fetched that she had somebody that she was working for. And even in that interview, she wouldn't talk. And they were like, it's been 40 years. And she was like, "Listen, there's still somebody. As long as she alive, somebody alive. It was like, they can't be alive. It was like, they can. But how you going to tell them they can't be alive? Is she not alive? Are and you I'm not talking sitting, to her? And I'm sitting here talking to you. 
I loved listening to her tapes. I just, listening to old black women talk is like home. They hit you with a baby. <laughs> and it's just like, yes, ma'am, what do you need? How can I help you? I didn't find anything that ever said she got released from um, her solitary confinement. So I think she lived out the rest of her days in that. They said she could be found studying law books, just trying to get her appeal. Uh, doing jigsaw puzzles, watching Jeopardy, um, but being by herself. Uh, that just sounds so... Crazy, man, because she was in there for years, and to just be alone for years. I couldn't imagine being alone for, like, like for real, for real, alone, and then in a little box. It's not like you got to roam around your house and, like, be alone in your mm-hmm. space. It's alone mm-hmm. in a box. No thanks. She died at the age of 80 on May 10th, 2014, and that was her story. All right, y'all, it's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I didn't do it, but if I did, I wouldn't have written those notes that she didn't even deliver. Right. I wouldn't have even had them. I ain't do it, but if I did... I'm trying to figure out where she first fucked up, right? She made out all right with the husband's They letter. fucked up when they let her out of jail on an appeal bond. True that. But that ain't Although, her. her husband was... You know, they were taking that down a bit. It was like, it, it wasn't even all of that, you know? It was an attack, and she shouldn't really be doing time. She just, I, I I don't think that was the way to go. And even if she says, I wasn't, I wasn't the one who killed her, you was the one who got all that shit orchestrated and involved. You know? So she's talking about, I'm like, as guilty. Was it a thing where she came to kill him, but they were like, oh, we killing somebody? Like, right. That's because when it, why? Because killing him is one thing, and not saying it's right, but at least it's like a direct line, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. How much do you really think he gives a fuck about his assistant in the grand scheme of things? You know what I mean? Like, that nigga's going to bed every night thinking, whew, thank God it wasn't me. Right. And she, now three kids don't have a mama because why? She didn't do nothing to you. Because she filed his paperwork. Right. She didn't do shit to you. Those are the saddest. Yeah. Okay, what's the next thing we do? Parole and no parole? Parole and no parole. Um, I read an article in the Tampa Times, and they said, if you were able to be free, what would you do? She said, the same shit I've been doing. I'm telling y'all, I'm not going back to working for these niggas. (laughs) I got connects. So I think if she got out, she was going to find her way back in. I think she just needs to be in general population. Some people just need to be in jail. Yeah, she can do gym pop. She probably, they would probably... She probably would have been, like, top dog running that shit. That's Hell what they yeah. were scared of. Hell, yeah. She'd have had that shit moving. That's what they were really scared of. She'd have been in there making money. Mm-hmm. Too smart. They said, lock her up. A smart black woman. Don't know what to do with her. <laughs> lock her up. Throw away the key. All right. That's our show. Oh, before we do that, we're not having a show next week. Womp, womp, womp. No show next week. No show next week. Don't look for it because I will be in the bed. Maybe not. I'll be at work. Right. I was going to say, well, I actually probably still be working, but 
you know, y'all won't reap the benefits next week of our of our labor. This is from Awesome Bagels. And Awesome Bagel says, bedtime stories. <laughs> right. I absolutely love y'all's podcast. I was on TikTok and I came across y'all's account. I listen to your podcast at night to unwind from a long day. It's honestly like a bedtime story to me. Y'all have so much character and attitude. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> a bedtime story, though? Amen. I can't, I can't do that because then I'll wake up and I'll be like, where was I? Ugh. And then I got to go back and find my spot. That's, I'll never finish. I, I, when we go on vacation and you're watching TV, <laughs> y'all, when we go on vacation and we watched like the Golden Girls one time when she came to visit me in Florida. So we were on, va- you were on vacation and she probably played the same episode every single night from the same spot. She was like, falling asleep. And I. She said, Tessie, I'm not falling asleep. I have watched this four times already. Pick I'm, something else. Pick something else. Next episode. Something. Oh. What you got? Um, This is from Cinnamon Buns. I don't do podcasts, but baby. I love okay. y'all. Y'all get me through my shifts at work. It's like talking to my homegirls about crazy stories. Keep them coming, y'all. Sure thing. Sure thing, girl. Oh, my goodness. If you want to keep up with us, you can email us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at sisterswhokill, on Instagram at sisterswhokillpod, TikTok, sisterswhokillpodcast, and join the discussion group. Anything for me, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Peace.